0: Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with Meet Your Girl, Danielle Moody, once again recording from the Brooklyn Bunker. Folks, it is now the second week of January that we are entering into, day 10 of the new year. And like I reported... At the end of last week, uh, or at least the middle of last week with our friend, Dr. Jonathan Metzl, the mainstream news has decided to start reporting on the same thing, which is the variant that we said last week was discovered um, in Greece, referred to as what? Deltacron, which is the combo effect of the Delta variant and Omicron. Now, initially, there was one case that was reported in Israel. It's the same place that reported the first case of Fluorona. Israel is also the place where they are beginning to administer the fourth booster shot, where many of the world, much of the world, you have to remember, as we are talking about booster shots and vaccine rollouts and all of these things, that Israel is on its fourth shot where many parts of the world still haven't received their first. That is how imbalanced, how unjust the vaccine rollout has been around the world. I digress though, because here we are now, uh, just a couple of days past our conversation that we had with Jonathan, where we brought up these two new words that I said that I did not want to learn, Deltacon and, uh, Fluorona. And now we have cases of Fluorona since- that initial reporting that have been discovered in the United States. And now we have more cases of Deltacron, which has now been discovered in Greece, uh, on the Island of Cyprus. Now, why does this matter? Because the reality is that we are very far, if you're listening to all of the doctors for the last couple of weeks, um, as the beginning of this surge has come and we are, we, we don't even know where we are. I mean, that, that's the reality is that folks, I got to tell you, like, first of all, um, I'm wearing no makeup today, uh, because I have a allergy that I have developed to my makeup and maybe it's just COVID. Uh, the fact that I haven't worn makeup in such a long time when we were in lockdown that now when I do, my skin starts to break out if I don't take it off immediately right after I put it On. Very odd. Nonetheless, why do I say all these things? Because I just have to take a pause as I'm talking about these two new variants. And some days, I got to tell you, some days feel more normal than others. And, and, you know, I, I think that it's important to name these things because we all keep being forced, you know, by the virtue of work, by the virtue of capitalism, by the virtue of, you know, the CDC that is not really about protecting our public health, but really about getting people back in the workplace or making sure that they never leave. To really wrap our minds around what's happening right now. And what, what, what the fuck is really happening? What's happening is that we are living in a global health pandemic that the world has not that our world governments have not gotten a fucking hold of um that because of coming out of the gate and making this a political issue, whether it was attacking uh, the Chinese like the Trump administration did, um, and whether or not the the Chinese government is at fault for how soon they flagged the initial alpha variant back in 2020 to the world, who knows? And at this point, who fucking cares, right? Because we have mutated. Um, We have had so many other variants since then. And here we are at the beginning of December. We just learned about Omicron. We are in week two, just beginning week two of 2022. And we are talking about not one, but two new variants. Now for the mainstream media, who is doing not the best fucking job of one, keeping people's anxiety down and two, weeding through the bullshit in a way that makes people feel like they can come to you for information. The fact is we are very far from COVID becoming endemic, meaning that more people will become infected. More people will sadly die, right? before this becomes like the common cold or the flu, right? And the fact is, what is keeping me up? And the reason why I am back in the Brooklyn bunker, and I recognize this, I was having this conversation the other day with a friend of mine, and I said, New York is very different in terms of how New Yorkers, and I think particularly people in the city, which are very different than the fucking people that I grew up with uh, on Long Island, right? So New York City was the epicenter in 2020 for COVID, right? We're the epicenter for Omicron, right? We're the epicenter for everything by virtue of the millions and millions of people that live here in such a small space, right? Right. Um, And so things that will come are going to come here because of our international and transit community, as well as those, you know, the the cramped spaces in terms of, like, there's not a lot of landmass and there's a lot of people. And so things are going to – a communicable disease, right, is going to spread like fucking uh, gangbusters in an area as densely populated as New York City. And so I say that to say that there is – a deep post-traumatic stress from 2020 of the early days of lockdown, when all you heard on the streets of New York City were sirens, were ambulances, There, every business was closed down, everything was shut down, all the iconic areas that you're used to seeing in movies and on television that are, you know, run amok with tourists and 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 New Yorkers alike were eerily quiet, right? Empty. And so I can always tell how things are trending with the virus by virtue of just being in New York. Over the summer, right? In spring and summer of 2021, there was this feeling we we had become newly vaccinated. There was this feeling that life was beginning to return to the city. And I mean, life had continue to churn, right? There are millions of people that are here. There are thousands that left, right? The, the wealthy left and they left for their summer homes or their winter homes and got rid of their New York city homes. And then there was this like small little bubble. And now right. Rent is back skyrocketing as well as mortgages and all of these things, but you can always tell how things are trending When I walk out of my apartment, when I'm walking around my neighborhood, in the spring and summer, there was this sense that we were going to be able to return to a a new normal, right? A new abnormal where you could walk into a restaurant and now not only did you need to have reservations, but you also need to be able to show proof of vaccination. And that you were only going to be able to eat inside and go to the gym and go get your hair cut and go to certain places if in fact you were had proof of vaccination in other places obviously like the supermarket pharmacies and what have you doesn't matter you're not sitting down at the table opening up taking off your mask and having droplets everywhere but i had noticed that you know we had gotten to a place where new york city's vaccination rates were so high that Folks felt like they could take off their masks when they were walking down the street and kind of like not scoot to the other side of the sidewalk, which is really fucking difficult to do in some very busy parts of, uh, of the boroughs. But as, as like this, this surge as Winter began to come as the seasons began to change. And we went from summer into fall. And then in early winter, it was like, I started to see people wearing their masks again outside. I started to see the outdoor dining places still really full right but then now starting to weed out one because it's colder but because two people in New York are self are putting together a self-imposed lockdown for the privilege that are that were supposed to return to work or or their jobs completely changed and now they're just totally remote right like they're just staying home and you're seeing as you're walking around you know the regular shops are open Uh, obviously, but like the restaurants aren't as full and people are back to wearing their full masks on the street and giving each other space, right? As you're walking. That to me tells us this is far from being fucking endemic, right? Like now we have these seasons of death in this country, And that's just something that is so mind-boggling, that for the past two years, we've been turning on cable news and watching a death ticker. Just think about that for a fucking moment, right? And the fact that it has become so normalized that we just talk about, well, 1,500 people died today, or 600,000 people are infected today, The things that have become normalized in the last two years are so goddamn unsettling that there are some days and moments like this past weekend where I just sit back and I'm like, what the fuck does the end look like? Right? Like, can we even begin to imagine what the end could possibly look like when we are smack dab in the middle of an incredible surge where everybody wants to continue to tell us that, you know, don't worry, the symptoms are mild and blah, blah. Yet our hospitals are at a breaking point. Some are breaking, right? And now we have two new goddamn variants, Deltacron and Fluorona. And I'm just like, is this how we all go out? Like, it's not a comet. It's not aliens, right? Like, it's, it's not the movie The Day After Tomorrow when there's the flood and the storm and everything and it's, you know, perfect chaos at one time. Is it this? Is it that we're just all sitting around back, you know, self-sheltered, on pins and needles waiting for them to make the announcement that, oh, here's the super of super variants that now evades all the fucking vaccines, all of the boosters. You can't touch shit. You can't go outside. And like, this is it. I just, you know, sometimes I really look around, I look around my own apartment and I think about how much life has changed. I think about how normal it is now to, you know, instead of make phone calls, you're on FaceTime with people, right? Like, oh, let's just hop on a Zoom and how having folks in your home, much like you guys are right now in my living room has become the norm. I remember watching sci-fi movies and seeing people, you know, we don't have the holograms, um, that's not popping up in our homes. But when you look at technology, when you look at the way that this pandemic has changed the way that we fundamentally relate with one another, right? Like when you can say, Hey friend, do you want to do a happy hour? And they're like, Ooh, virtual or in person? Like we were not saying that in 2019, 2018, right we move into the 2020s into this new decade and it is a new it's like one new crisis after the other and i think sometimes we're we're just trying our best to get by to make do that it's even too much for us to allow our minds to think about how drastically fucking different everything is now and i say take a pause because it's overwhelming. You know, I, I, I'm like, damn, today is January 10th. It is 10 days into this new year. And we have two new variants. What the fuck is it going to look like in the spring? Now, the good news, right? The good news is this, is that what I believe, and I'm not a doctor or a scientist, and I don't pretend to be one. I just pretend to be somebody that, like, you know, analyzes the world and looks at it through a multiple of different perspectives. And what I am seeing, at least what the last two years is showing us, right, is that we are going to have these seasons of death where life is going to feel somewhat um, renewed and refreshed and normal, right? And I use heavy quotations with that, and normal, for a couple of months, right, roughly probably from April until, you know, until the beginning of the Thanksgiving, Christmas holiday mashup. So you'll have April, May, June, July, August, September, October. You'll have, right, roughly like half the year that seems relatively normal. You'll go out to eat. You'll you know eat outside. You'll see more people, and then we will have these seasons where, for three to four months, for those of us who genuinely follow science and believe doctors, and you know, and and want to preserve as much as we can our own physical, emotional health and well being, we'll probably self sequester for those months. Right where it's, you're not going to go out. You're not going to go to the new restaurant and eat indoors. And it is fundamentally shifted how we engage, how we, how we show up with people, how we create community with people, but how we engage on a day to day. And sometimes I'm just like, we need to just fucking take a pause, take a beat and give ourselves credit for how adaptable we have been to fucking crazy. This shit is nuts. I walk out of my apartment and I'm looking around and some days I'm like, the security that I feel that there are people that at least live in my immediate community who are all masked up, and of course now the other thing too is that all the masks have changed right? Where we all thought we were going to be cute, show parts of our personality, you know, try and add some, you know, bit of flair to a situation that seems so dire. Well, now we're all just in K95 masks, if in fact you can afford it or find them and they're not counterfeit. But it's just, you know, I want us to give ourselves credit for how much we are adapting to times that are so completely and totally out of our control. That we are still going to work, right? Where there is no relief in mental health days and time to really just like gather. I saw this meme and this is what prompted today's show opening, you know, and it was like, you know, it was supposed to be funny, right? Like lighthearted. And it was like, you know, the difference between, you know, our two selves, it's like pre 2020, I used to feel, and this is the the meme mashed up, but it's like, I used to be able to go to work for, you know, eight to nine hours, go out for drinks with friends, go to a work event, circle back to work the next, the next day, do it all over again, have commitments on the weekends. Like just, we were moving, right? We were doing things. And then they're like, and me today, it's like a struggle just to get through like just eight hours of work and you're working from home. And while like the meme in and of itself is supposed to be funny, like how much we were doing versus how much we can do. But what's lost in, in the, in between of that and of that translation is the fact that The weight of everything has become so much, right? Like we are on edge and I don't think that we fully consciously are aware of what that anxiety and what that stress is doing to our bodies, right? Like, sure. People want to talk about, oh, the COVID-19 talking about like weight that they have put on and this, that, and the other thing. And weight is like not even half of it. I'm talking about the emotional weight. I'm talking about some days not wanting to get out of bed, not wanting to get off of the couch to go to the kitchen or to go into your office or your basement or wherever to go and do work. That it's so difficult to be able to function and focus on rudimentary tasks like everything is normal. Meanwhile, you're also glued to the headlines in Twitter to make sure that We didn't go to war today to make sure that there isn't a new variant that you missed or a CDC guideline that seems like bullshit or like some far right attack or another person being killed that you video that is circulating or some other disaster that is impending. It's all of the impending doom of it all that makes us feel like, holy shit, just answering an email, clearing out an inbox, right? Getting done with one or two tasks a week now feels like something we need to applaud. And frankly, we fucking should. Because if you were to go back in time, and I let me tell you, I started watching this terrible show on Amazon Prime, and maybe you all have finished it, called Solos. And it's like a sci-fi, you know, futuristic show where each of the characters and each of the actors It's just them for the entire episode. Um, So think about the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks and it just being him and Wilson, the fucking ball. This is a similar type thing, but it's like very meta. Anyway, I say that to say that in one of the episodes that Anne Hathaway was in, she was trying to jump to the future right? She wanted to get out of the present situation of her life that had her mother dying an excruciating death, um, that had her just so stressed out and depressed and miserable. And so she just wanted to project literally come up with this coding and algorithm to get herself to the future so that this current reality she was existing in wouldn't be real, that the alternate dimension, her, her in the future could fix her currently. And I watched that And all I kept thinking about to myself is that I have those moments. I have those moments nowadays where I am just like, I want to be projected into the future, but the future just doesn't seem that bright. But I want to be projected into the ending of all of this madness. And what troubles me, folks, and I don't mean to start your week out like this, but what troubles me is that I don't know if this sometimes things don't always get better or sometimes better is not necessarily what we're hoping for. Like we're hoping for just blanket relief and going back to normal. And I don't think that we ever go back to pre COVID days, right? Like I, I even think that even if things were done tomorrow, I think the scars The emotional scars of what we have all been through will persist and will have forever changed the way that we interact with each other, the way that we see each other, the way that we interact with work, our environment, I think is forever changing and it's changing so rapidly. And so I just offer that if you feel unstable some days, like you feel Good-ish on a Monday, but by Friday, you're like, what like what is this I'm living in? Understand that you are not alone. That you know, sometimes I do feel like we are living inside some fucked up matrix, right? Where it's like we're just all supposed to pretend that everything is kumbaya, that all is well. And that if you draw attention to the things that are at fault or that are crazy then you're the one that's labeled, right? Like that's what the right is doing right now with their collective gaslight of the country. One, six didn't happen. COVID is blown out of control. There's nothing wrong with the environment. The economy is solid, like all is well, right? Meanwhile, they're staging a fucking fascist authoritarian coup every single day, right? The stress is real, So I just say to you, you know, as I will remind myself to give yourself daily grace, meditate, pray, garden, walk, yoga, whatever it is that allows you in positive ways. Look, I love cocktails. Everybody who knows me knows that. Um, I am trying on a regular basis for that not to be my go-to exhale, which is why I have a regular meditation practice, which is why I need, you know, this week is starting me back on my daily exercise regimen. And just because it takes a lot these days to keep it all together. And so it's okay when we fall off, when we decide that we're not getting up that day, That is fine too. I just want folks to know that you are not alone in trying to make sense of insanity and that there just sometimes you just can't make sense of it. All you can do is do what you can do to keep yourself safe, those around you that you love safe and healthy. And that be the success of the day of what the daily successes look like. I think that Not only do we need to get rid of this idea that we're going to be able to quote, go back to normal, but I also think that we need to get rid of these predefined, you know, ideals of what success looks like because success, what success looked like for you in 2019 is not going to be the same thing that success looks like in 2022. And I think that if we're honest with ourselves and the people around us about that, then we'll be able to maneuver, be nimble in ways that help us to not only deal with this moment, but to find ways to thrive in it as well. Coming up next, folks, is my conversation with our good, good friend, Glenn Kirshner, MSNBC legal analyst and the host of Justice Matters. We are going to delve into the current sentences that were released for some of the 700 plus insurrectionists that have been picked up, Merrick Garland's speech and what Glenn thought about that and whether or not this is signaling that the Justice Department actually has a spine and is going to do something and much, much more. Folks, you know that I have been dying for my first conversation with our next guest in the new year, Glenn Kirshner, MSNBC analyst and the host of Justice Matters. Glenn, the only person that I wanted to talk to following uh, AG Merrick Garland's press conference on January 5th was you. I have been dying to hear your thoughts. I tweeted mine, I have shared mine in many different ways. Um, it's been how many months since we've heard from Merrick Garland and his Justice Department? Many. And, you know, we were anticipating, I, I I at least was anticipating some actual news. What were your thoughts on his presser?
1: So, Danielle, Happy New Year. On the one hand, um, I think anything short of him parading Donald Trump across the stage in cuffs was going to feel like a little bit of, of a letdown. Um, but. There were three things that he said that I was really happy he did say. I was I was really concerned that if we got nothing more than we will follow the evidence and the law wherever it leads us. You know that's like saying we will breathe in and then we will breathe out. Yet we know that. But here's here are the three things that he said that I appreciated. One, we will hold January six perpetrators accountable at any level. Because thus far they've been pretty good. We can definitely talk about some of the lenient sentences, but they've been pretty good holding the folks at the lowest level on the bottom rung of the criminal ladder. Donald Trump's foot soldiers of the insurrection. They've been holding them accountable by the hundreds, but they haven't held anybody accountable in the middle level or mm-hmm. in the upper level mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, of, of the criminal ladder. So i'm glad we heard we will hold people accountable at any level i'm also glad i heard that we will hold people accountable whether they were at the capitol that day or not because we know some of the criminals at least in the on the sort of middle rung of the criminal ladder the bannons the giuliani's they were enjoying the cushy environs of the willard hotel planning and plotting democracy's demise They weren't at the Capitol on January 6th. We know that there were corrupt and treasonous lawyers like John Eastman and Jeffrey Clark, who were not at the Capitol. But they are just as responsible for the concerted effort, the conspiracy to try to overthrow our democracy. So the fact that he said and this was a little bit of a a show of the investigative cards. We're going to hold people accountable whether they were at the Capitol that day or not. And then the third thing that I thought he said that wasn't—he didn't go as far as I would have liked. He he used the W word, Watergate, and he mm-hmm. didn't use it for the factual proposition that Nixon's Watergate is a lot like Trump's insurrection, and it is the I think the. Most important distinction is that Richard Nixon wasn't trying to bring democracy to an end and Donald Trump is. But there are certainly some parallels, right? The burglars of the Watergate scandal were held accountable earlier than the folks who were higher up on the criminal food chain. There's a rough parallel there. The the burglars of Watergate to the right. foot soldiers of the insurrection. But what he what he referred to Watergate. Um, as, as a vehicle to argue is that we learn from the lessons of Watergate that there, there can be but one set of rules for the powerless and the powerful. And so I think those three things in combination in three different ways, he said, we will hold the powerful accountable. So I was happy to hear that. I would have liked to have heard some more concrete discussion of domestic terrorism, because that's what mm-hmm. this was. Um, I knew he wasn't gonna say, I, I predicted he wouldn't even utter Donald Trump's name, which of course he didn't. Um, and he shouldn't divulge who he's indicting tomorrow, who the grand jury is criminally investigating. As a 30 year prosecutor, I never talked about who I was investigating or who I intended to indict tomorrow. So I knew we wouldn't get any of that, but I think what we got from Merrick Garland two days ago, I think, needs to be viewed in combination with what we got from Vice President Harris and President Biden yesterday, because I see some justice synergy going on here. And I'm telling you, when Vice President Harris opened by by combining, by bundling together three dates, she said, uh, December 7th, 1941. September 11th, 2001, January 6th, 2021. She didn't have to say what those three dates are. Those are three dates that will live in infamy. And she opened with that and she set the right tone. And of course, the the dramatic difference is the first two Pearl Harbor and the Mm -hmm. attack on the world trade and the Pentagon. Mm -hmm. Bingo. Exactly. They were attacks from without by foreign enemies. The Mm -hmm. third, I'm sorry is the most dangerous of all, attack from within, directed by a defeated president who was looking to unconstitutionally retain power. So I was thrilled. I know her comments were brief and it was something of an introduction of President Biden, but the fact that she started with that, she was breathing fire. And then Joe Biden stepped up and talked as forcefully about the insurrection as he could have spoken. And listen, when the president of the United States, first of all, calls out a former president and just MFs him based on the evidence up and down. Right. But then he said, and I quote, this was an armed insurrection. You know, we've got something to handle armed insurrections because he yeah. quoted yep. the crime in this big, ugly blue book of federal crimes, the United States Code. So when you take what um Merrick Garland said two days ago what Vice President Harris and President Biden said yesterday. You also view it through the lens of the House Select Committee saying in recent days, both Chairman Thompson and Vice Chair Cheney, we will be hearing. We expect to hear from the vice, former Vice President Mike Pence, and we look forward to his cooperation and his team is already enthusiastically assisting us. I'm telling you it feels like there is justice synergy. I know I always see the glasses half full and yet I'm always thirsty. I don't know what that means,
0: <laughs> I'm <laughs> it, telling it you. It means
1: something, yeah. It means um, it
0: means something. You <laughs> know, I do think
1: we're headed in the right direction. I really do.
0: You know, w- whenever we think about Watergate and we think about the fact that it was what was it 218 days? right? Uh, in, 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 until justice was kind of laid down. I I still, Glenn, I guess my frustration is when I thought about the Garland and, uh, presser, I was, I was under the impression that he was going to announce and we're going to have an independent counsel. And like, this is, and this investigation, you know, is, is, you know, these are the steps that we are taking. This is what we have done. I thought that we would get more of a laid, a a layout of what has happened. I appreciated the fact that he's talking about the 15 terabytes of information, talking about the thousands of people that have called in with tips. Uh, talking about the hundreds of people that have been arrested, but they've all really been low level sentencing. I think, what is the longest sentence that has been laid out right now? Has uh, it been five, for the QAnon five and six shaman? Years, right for 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 five or six years, and they probably won't serve that entire thing. And I just, you know, the question that I have for you is when Garland said, initial charges are always lower, right? And then we build from there. And I think to myself, how do you not send a message, though, with these initial, with these initial accounts that you broke into the halls of democracy? I was happy when Biden said they defecated in these halls, right? Yeah. Like I, I needed him to bring forth the visual in the way um, that it was, it was necessary in the way that the New York Times had laid it out. Uh, earlier in the week with all of the injuries, both emotional, physical, um, the brokenness, the suicides. I I wanted them to lay that out. But I said, why wouldn't you send a direct message? You broke into these halls. The minimum sentence that we're giving out for everyone, 10 years. How is that not? And, and, and again, it's always to me, and I have to, I look through everything with the lens that America looks through everything, which is a racial one. I know, and we know we've talked about it. If these were black people, if these were Latinx people, if these were Muslim Americans, would we be waiting around for a whole year for these light sentences to be, to be put down or saying that we need to dot more I's and cross more T's?
1: no but we have never treated our minority brothers and sisters fairly equitably uh, on par with white america we never have and i'm not going to say we never will because that is our fight right that is not a destination that is a daily fight that you and i and others will be fighting every day for the rest of our lives then our children will be fighting it then our grandchildren will be fighting it let's not fool ourselves we'll make progress the arc of the moral universe continues to bend in the right direction. I think there's been a kink in that arc that we are trying desperately to straighten out, so it will continue to bend in the right direction, but I have faith it will continue to bend in the right direction. Um, But you're absolutely right. There are two standards. There are two systems of justice uh, in policing, in the court system, in politics, in the business community, um, and, that is our fight and it will always remain our fight. Um, but but when Merrick Garland said, and, I, and I'm with you because, yes, the way the Department of Justice investigates is from the bottom up. It's the way I did it when I was investigating mm-hmm. gang cases, RICO cases, conspiracy cases. The problem is this circumstance is unlike every run of the mill gang or RICO investigation. And it calls for. Different action, dramatic action, action that will both immediately pr- protect our society and our democracy in a way that, you know, reflects the, the danger of what we just went through and what we're still facing. So that's the part that upsets me. Don't tell me you're treating this like every other investigation. We we investigate from the ground up we go after the smaller fish we flip them against the medium fish we try to get the big fish all bets should be off right i believe right you should make a dang statement lock up at least the medium level fish and right. try to flip them do something different because in every other investigation democracy's future is not hanging in the balance so and I am a, believe me, I've been a vocal critic of Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice. He got the E. Jean Carroll decision wrong. He, yes. um, he, you know, th- there are any number of things that they have done that I disagree with. I don't like the pace that they've set. Um, I don't like the fact that they're treating this the way they treat every other investigation. Now, I do appreciate that he said, we will investigate. We will hold people, uh, uh, accountable at every level, whether there or not. One standard of rules. Um, and he also said something that actually is really important. He said, we will do it all consistent with the constitution and the civil rights of all people. That, uh, and I take him at his word when he says that, because regardless of how aggressively or how unconventionally you go after the insurrection, You still need to honor the Constitution and the civil rights of all people. But you know what? You're talking the talk. How about we start walking the walk?
0: You know, Donald Trump was supposed to give a speech on January 6th. And, you know, because of Republicans' uh, pushback, uh, Steve Bannon gave it instead. And Donald Trump is going to give this speech, whatever he was going to say, on January 15th, as if the dates actually matter. But— Um, the fact to me is that Steve Bannon is free. He's still walking around and able to give speeches when we know what he was a part of. And I don't even consider him a medium level person. And he's still walking around free. Peter Navarro was on MSNBC. bragging about literally saying that there were 100 Republicans. That were on board. How is it that these people are still presiding over our country, still voting or not voting, obstructing policy, and are not in cuffs somewhere? We have Democratic members that right now are retiring in droves. And one of the foundational reasons for that, they are scared to work alongside their colleagues. There are still metal detectors up not for possible insurrection and threat from the outside, but from threat from the inside. So this has already fundamentally changed the way that our government works. And yet these people are, And I I would imagine that if I'm a member of Congress and I was scared for my life on the floor of the house that day, and These members are still walking around free, and I know that they were on calls. I know that they were messaging. What message does that say to them about their safety?
1: So um, absent accountability by way of criminal charges for the middle level players and, and the top dogs of the insurrection, absent accountability, our democracy doesn't have a chance with accountability, our democracy has a chance. It's still not a foregone conclusion that we survive this, even once we start locking up the Navarros, the Bannons, the Giuliani's, the Don uh, Don Trump seniors, the Don Trump juniors, the Eastman's, the Clark's, all of them, the Mark Meadows. they I, I do believe they will be charged in one big old conspiracy and i think that's what the department of justice is working toward um watergate took as much as two and a half years to finally convict the top rung criminals and of course horrifically um richard nixon got away with it because of an ill-advised presidential pardon which set the stage for donald Mm -hmm. trump don't don't think for a minute donald trump Mm -hmm. didn't look at richard nixon and say whoa 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 if I can get myself elected, I can commit all the crime I want. And while in office, I get to hold up the presidency as a shield against prosecution because my underlings at the Department of Justice say that you can't indict a sitting criminal president. And then once I'm out, Mm -mm. I'm probably not going to get prosecuted. And if I am, I'm going to get pardoned. Where do I sign up? I mean, I hope we've learned that lesson from Watergate. And I think If we didn't learn it, then shame on us. We don't deserve to continue forward. We don't.
0: You know, we have but a handful of months, and this is the last question I want to ask you. We have a handful of months until midterms. Midterms is in November, right? We already have members of the House uh, Republican Party saying that they are going to pursue impeachment of Joe Biden, right? This is a a, a tit for tat that they're doing. We're going to go after you it is not looking good that Democrats will hold on to the Senate or the House, right? And I know that, again, I know that the Department of Justice is supposed to be separate, but how do, do you foresee a way for them to continue to power through with Republicans who are most certainly, most certainly going to be hauling Merrick Garland hauling members of the Department of Justice in as soon as they're able to get the gavels back and asking them to just just to slow down, gum up the process and make it look like a partisan sideshow. How do they navigate through that?
1: So articles of impeachment, and I I hate to even articulate this as a foregone conclusion, but articles of impeachment will be drafted up by a Republican controlled House for Joe Biden, for Merrick Garland, they will start issuing frivolous obstructionist subpoenas to everybody at the Department of Justice, as you say, trying to gum up the works. They will hold draconian oversight hearings. They will defund DOJ to the extent it will help them interfere corruptly in ongoing criminal investigations and prosecutions. That's why criminal charges need to come now in the coming weeks or in the next couple of months. I believe. Merrick Garland. And I you know, hear rumblings. I mean, that statement that he made was also to um, assuage the concerns of many, many, many of the people inside the Department of Justice who want to start charging corrupt high government and former high government officials. I believe it's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, we're done. If it does happen, I think mm-hmm. that will go a long way to tamping down the idiots who run around continuing to spout off the big lie because they've seen nobody's been held accountable for it. It will change the narrative and it will change it dramatically once indictments start to drop. I, ex- I, I can't see how they don't ask a grand jury to return the mother of all conspiracy indictments against Donald Trump and everybody who tried to assist him in overthrowing our government, in overturning the results of the presidential election. Those indictments have to come. That is not a guarantee that we survive, but boy, it goes a long way to helping us survive.
0: I think it does as well. And Glenn, I I appreciate you. I'm so happy to have you back in this new year, just a few days in to 2022. And I think that we are in for a ride. And I appreciate you always being one of our guides on that ride. Oh. Thank you so much I'll for your you time. see you next week,
1: Danielle.
0: See you next week. That is it for me, dear friends, today on this Woke AF Daily. Please do give yourselves grace, give yourselves peace, find joy each and every single day. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck.